Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Stressed about pests? When you have pest problems, don't call just anyone. Call the Orkin Pro. For more than 120 years, Orkin offers unparalleled service, helping protect homes and businesses from termites, rodents, mosquitoes, and other insects. With Orkin by your side, you don't have to wonder about the outcome of your pest problem. We'll solve it guaranteed. And if bugs creep up between services, we'll be on your doorstep free of charge. Orkin, the best in pests. Learn more at orkin.com. Welcome into this Golf Channel podcast. I'm your host, Will Gray. Pleased to be joined now by GolfChannel.com senior writer Rex Hoggard, who was on the grounds all week last week at Augusta National. Rex, thank you for joining us. I know that uh, we've had a day or two here to let the dust settle, give yourself a little perspective on the week that was at the Masters. So my first question to you is, are you prepared to live in a world where Sergio Garcia is a major champion? I don't know if I'm prepared to live in a world where he makes putts like that at major championships. I mean, it was uh, he pretty missed, he, missed the, he missed the one on 16 and 18. There's still a little bit of Sergio in there. But he is oh, also yeah. wearing a green jacket. No doubt. It, you know what? I mean, it couldn't have been scripted any better. I mean, if you kind of look at it, the, the week was pretty mundane, to be quite frank with you, at least for two rounds. I mean, the, you know, the wind blew. It was so cold. I, I think it was difficult for everyone to score. And then the last hour comes and everything just explodes, just like we're used to it happening. And, when you go and you look at the entirety of Sergio's career, I mean, of course it had to come to this, right? I mean, just the fact that he had all of this baggage, all of this scar tissue off there, all of these years, 73 major starts, and he hadn't gotten it done. And under the most adversity you could possibly imagine, at the one major that I never thought he'd have a chance, of course he delivered. I mean, this, this is a perfect ending to a career, and I know it's not over, but it's going forward. I mean, he talked afterwards about look i would have been happy either way with or without a major i'm not quite sure if i completely buy that but when you look at it now his career is defined so differently than what we're used to seeing from sergio garcia well i feel like those comments are pretty similar to the ones that we heard from henrik stenson after troon were, were they not where he said i was fine either way but now it really helps to have this trophy on the mantle right absolutely it makes things easier going forward that's the compelling part i mean I came straight to Hilton Head for the next week's tournament, the RBC Heritage, and I have had a chance to talk with a couple of players now. And Graham McDowell was one that really put it in perspective for me. He told me, he goes, what was interesting to him as he's watching this final round is what it would do to other players. I mean, take Lee Westwood for an example. I mean, he's in his 40s now. He is very, very similar when it comes to Sergio and never getting it done at a major coming so close. And if he has to be looking at what transpired on Sunday at Augusta National, thinking, well, if he can do it, under those conditions, when he was down and out, he dry, hits that drive on 13, flips the bush, takes the drop. You have to figure it's over at that point, and yet Sergio kept punching back. I, I think not only going forward with this help Sergio at other major championships, I always felt like the Open Championship was going to be his best bet to win a major, but I think it's going to have a follow-on effect for a lot of the guys who have been in very, very similar positions. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I know we talked on our Masters Preview podcast with uh, Trip Eisenhower and George Savarikas. I'm with you. I thought that an Open, whether whether the Opener or the U.S. Open, that was going to be Sergio's lane if he was ever going to get a major. I mean, he had, he had resigned himself to not being able to play at Augusta National, and now here we are. He's hosting next year's Champions Dinner, and he'll be there for a lifetime exemption, which, which is always very nice. So I want to ask you here, the Masters and Augusta National is so different from every other PGA Tour event, from a fan experience, from a media experience. So, so take us on the grounds. What is one thing about Sunday's final round that you saw that was a little different than what anyone else would have seen if they're watching at home on TV with that, that thrilling finish with Justin Rose and Sergio? Well, I, I have my own tradition at Augusta, and it's not unlike any other. I mean, but I go to the grill room because it's right next to the locker room. There's TVs in there. There's a lot of family. There's a lot of other players in there. You can get some good background, some good cover for the stories you're going to write later that night. And I just happen to be standing behind Victor Garcia, Sergio's father, when that final putt goes in. And as you well know, Willie, it, there is no doing a lot of things at Augusta National. They have a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. And screaming, I'm sure, is not shined upon i mean i'm sure they don't like that very very much but he let out a scream that i mean it could have brought the roof down he screamed sevy happy birthday this is for you it was so emotional he was absolutely bawling and he was with a lot of his other family members and you really saw what this meant i mean obviously to sergio it meant so much but to everyone around him it had been so long and they had suffered with him they had gone through all of the pain all the good times and the bad at major championships and it was just a poignant moment of so much emotion, and you could really get a sense of how much this meant, not just to Sergio, but everyone around him. For sure. it was uh, There was emotion palpable, it seemed, between Sergio, the family members, everyone on the grounds at Augusta National. I think they were all on the edge of their seats for the, the playoff, even though it only lasted one hole. So I've, I've spotted an interesting trend here, Rex. I want to get you to weigh in. We now have six straight majors, going back to Jason Day, at Whistling Straits that have been won by first-time major winners. Included in that group is Stenson, Jimmy Walker, Danny Willett, Dustin Johnson from last year. So looking at that crystal ball of yours, I know that you've had a chance to test some of the waters up at Hilton Head this week, but who do you see moving forward into 2017 who might be next in line among the group that is still currently majorless that might be able to get one this year? Well, this is the conversation. You know, who's the next man up? Them, you know, they, yeah. who's the best player without a major now? I mean, well, I, think I, think, Sergio, I think that can be different. I think I think you can have a different conversation of who's the best player without a major versus who do you think is in the best position to win one now. But you can you can take that as as whichever way you want. This is my question to you. Consider it a gift. Well, and I think the reason I brought that up because in my mind it's one and the same. It's Ricky Fowler. Okay. And I, of all the disappointment, I was very certainly surprised that Jordan Spieth didn't make a run. He, he looked like a man who knew a secret going into that final round, and his, given his record around there, I'm very surprised he did not pull it together on Sunday and make a little bit better run. And you'd probably say the same thing about Rory, although his iron play was off all week long, so he really had to get things moving in the right direction. But Ricky is the guy. I mean, I know he didn't get it done on Sunday. I know he hasn't gotten it done in the past. But I wrote the story the night before. I really felt like Ricky was re- ready to win a major, and I still feel that way. You talk to everyone around him, and he is a lot like Sergio was last week. I mean, I heard a lot of the same phrases coming from his camp that I heard coming from Sergio's camp. He's at peace. He's comfortable in his own skin now. He, he's relaxed when he gets, gets in these situations. We heard Sergio say the same thing, and I think Ricky's going to learn from this and take it forward. And I really think he's the next guy. I mean, it could very well come at the U.S. Open and Aaron Hills because he's playing that well. 
See, for me, I think it's a coin flip between Ricky and Hideki Matsuyama. If we're talking the best player without a major, I would lean more towards Ricky just because, as you said, he's had more bites at the apple. He's had a few more chances in contention, especially on Sunday when he really did fade. But And I'm not sure that Hideki is old enough just yet to, to really pin him with that the burden of best player without a major. But I do think that Fowler's chances are, are piling up, and, and he now could be a guy that we've seen before, whether it's Westwood, Luke Donald, Sergio, whatever. Eventually you hit that tipping point where instead of turning into a sign of, pro of promise, it turns into more of a burden as you get into your 30s if you don't have one yet. Absolutely. And, again, talking with players this week about Sergio's win, you know, they looked at it from the other point of view. Graham McDowell, Carl, Carl Peterson, Luke Donald, you know, who are all friends with Sergio, and they all said the same thing, that had he not gotten it done on Sunday, that they weren't sure he could have recovered from that. And, you know, you're right. A guy like Lee Westwood gets into that category very, very quickly. I mean, if he keeps getting beat up and he has that last swing at the apple, so to speak, no, I don't know that you can recover at that stage. I mean, it would have been hard for Sergio, had he lost on Sunday, to move forward thinking, I can still get this done. So Sergio and Justin Rose are now going to be forever intertwined in Masters lore. First time we've ever had a playoff between two Europeans, but they're basically about the same age. Sergio turned 37 in January, and Justin Rose again turned 37 this summer. So which player do you think is going to end up with more majors? Uh, I think it's going to be Justin Rose. And, I mean, nothing against Sergio. And I know they're the same age, but it certainly feels like Sergio's been around longer. He certainly started chipping yeah. away at that Grand Slam mountain a lot longer ago when he was 19 years old. But I think when you look at the game that Justin has, just not right now, but when he won at Marion, when he won the Olympics last year, I just think he can pull on so many more different things. And I think when he gets hot with the putter, and I don't think he was hot with the putter on Sunday, but when he gets hot with the putter, he probably has a better opportunity than Sergio, and at the end of the day, I think it's going to be Justin. But do you think Sergio is going to get at least one more, or you think this is it? A lot of guys would be happy to stop with one green jacket and, and, uh, and call it a day. Uh, that's a pretty cool club to yeah. end your career with, and I, I don't know that he's going to look back and, and say, well, I wish I would have gotten some more if he does not. But, no, I do think he's going to get one more, and I think it's going to be an open championship yep. because I think the motivation, uh, the things that he learned this week, the things that he talked about, so freely and so eloquently on Sunday about fighting against something that you can't fight about, meaning his emotions, meaning that sometimes you're going to get a bad bounce and you just need to, to push on. This was really the first time that was put to the test and to be able to deliver on that. I think he only has confidence. And look, I mean, we call Tiger an old 41, right? Well, I look at Sergio as maybe an old 37, but the fact is he's remained injury-free. Yep. He's still one of the best ball strikers in the game, and you put him on the right golf course, and on greens over in the U.K. that aren't as fast, don't have as much movement as, say, Augusta, I think he has a very good chance to add to that. Yeah, I think Sergio had that dip a little earlier in his career in the, those early 30s years where he kind of lost his form, was dealing with some off-course stuff, and now he's back and, and very much in play. Now I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, and that is Jordan Spieth. Like Fowler, we saw that pairing of Spieth and Fowler. We thought maybe the winner is going to come from there, and it turns out they both were unable to really get anything going on Sunday. But... Is there a sense of relief for Jordan Spieth now that this Masters is just done, even though the final round didn't go as he would have liked? I'm sure in his mind it is. And as normal, Roy McIlroy was kind of the smartest guy in the room when it came yeah. to this. And look, I understand Jordan got tired of answering the questions about what happened at the 12th hole back in 2016. And certainly you could see it in his body language. He was done. He just wanted to get this one over with. But if he thinks 
that going forward we're never going to ask about what happened at 12 again? I mean, he's sadly mistaken, and Roy was very wise about this. And he goes, look, it doesn't go away. People continue to ask you. Now, Jordan has something on his side that a lot of players don't. He has a green jacket. He can always point to his flaws and say, well, I've won one of these. So, you know, going forward, everything else is kind of gravy. If you look at the potential he has, he's 23 years old. Let's say he's going to compete, I don't know, pick a number for me, Willie. That, you know, competitively speaking, Let's give him another he can 30. do it. For... Let's give him another 30. Exactly. I mean, if you think of how many more of these he can play in and have chances to do it again and again and again, eventually he's going to do it. But the idea that somehow this year is over, he can exhale and move on, well, no, because next year we'll be asking him about how, you, how are you going to play 15 on Thursday and avoid a nine? I mean, it, it's just going to always be there. We're always going to go back to it. And it did not help, of course, that he then put the ball in the water again on 12 on Sunday, even though the stakes were a little bit different than they were a year ago. I always contend, I'm, I'm with you, the, the questions might slow down a little bit next year and, and in the future, but they're not going to stop until he wins another green jacket. You can win another major, that's going to help, but he needs to get a second green jacket in that closet, and then he can put all of the, the 2016 hole number 12 mess to bed. Two green jackets. Man, you're tough. that's a tough crowd. Well, he's, he's already got one, and now we're still asking him, so he's got to get the second one. That's, if you want to say that there's no, there are no demons or skeletons or whatever, you need to get back into the winner's circle at Augusta National. You need to serve some more Texas barbecue at the Champions Dinner the next year. We'll see. I, I'm with you. I think in 30 years he's going to be able to find one, but I don't know that the questions are going to slow down too much until he does. So, uh, well, let me, and let me flip this on you real quick. I mean, and we wrote this this morning on GolfChannel.com, and I, I, I'm very, very curious. I, I, you know, Jack set the standard with six green jackets. And you think of the potential Jordan has going forward. I don't think he gets there, but three or four is not out of the question in my mind. I agree. I would, I, I'd peg him at three. If you, if you ask me right now, he's got one. I could see him getting two more. Uh, I don't know that he's going to get to the four that Tiger and, and Arnold Palmer and I think Phil eventually will get a fourth. I'll, I'll put three for Jordan Spieth as my best guess right now, but there's a lot, there's a lot of golf to be played over the next, I don't know, three decades as we're going to be sitting around a very a much larger oak tree by the 2047 Masters. What's your number? Uh, no, I think it's three. Much larger tree. And can you imagine the media center we'll be in It'll at be, that point? It, it could be its own zip code. I want to ask you about this. So are you, first of all, I need a, I need a number on uh, Lavner's sandwich count for the week in the media center. Has it, was anyone oh, keeping man. track of that? No, but that would have been classic. Now that you remind me, I, got, I have to put a reminder in to keep track of that next yeah, year. Yeah, just, just got to have a running, a running tally. And ice cream sandwiches. You know, yes. they have those great cookie ice cream sandwiches. Oh, it, I, man, I mean, we were there for eight days. It had to be. Oh, God, it, it, over 30 I'm going to go. I, it, I've got to set the number somewhere there. Uh, are you egg salad or are you team pimento cheese? Uh, no, pimento cheese is nasty. I, I'm an egg salad guy, and then they also have a fried chicken sandwich that you just can't avoid. It, it can't be healthy for you, but it's fantastic. The chicken just is underrated. It's the it's the player that comes in under the radar to every Masters that, that no one talks about. You put egg salad and pimento cheese in the spotlight. I'm with you. I'll go egg salad, but uh, you can never go wrong with a, a chicken biscuit in the morning, right? No, it's absolutely perfect. You're right. It's the Thomas Peters of the Masters. I get that. It was a good analogy. Uh, so, out of, the, out of the two that we were talking about there, Spieth and Fowler, whose Sunday finish was more surprising for you? 
Uh, I'm going to go with Spieth. I mean, he, he started off awful, uh, and, and the, you know, the idea that someone could win a Masters with a nine on his card was, was very captivating to me for some reason. I mean, because you have to have so much resilience, even if it happens on Thursday. You still have to have a lot of resilience to, to battle back. And he put himself right back in it. And talking with him on Friday night, after he'd gone from 10 strokes back after the first round, and I think he was only four back after the second round, like I said, he had a look in his eye like he knew a secret no one else knew. I mean, he felt like that you, if you were talking to him, you would have thought he was leading the tournament by 10 because he had so much confidence. And he was gushing. He was talking about getting goosebumps being back in the hunt. It was very, very similar on Saturday. When he left the golf course, I mean, you got the idea that something special was about to happen for Jordan Spieth. And I just think this is an example, and certainly we've seen this with Phil throughout the years. They show up, they drive down Magnolia Lane, they get the goosebumps, they feel like they know something that no one else knows, and they can go out and take advantage of that. And that's all well and good, but you still have to execute the shot. And I, I think this particular week, and to a large extent what happened last year, Jordan just didn't have the shots this year. I would agree with you, and it, it was certainly very surprising given the fact that if he, if he makes a quad on Thursday and goes on to finish about T42, I don't think that anyone would have been surprised, but the fact that he battled back so well Friday and Saturday and he was just seemingly right in the perfect position, it was, it was very surprising to see that he wasn't able to get any, any final round momentum going, but as we said, it always helps to, to take consolation in your spot in the champion's locker room upstairs and you can put on that green jacket whenever you like. So uh, I want to shift the focus back to Wednesday and Thursday. Let's talk DJ here. When the news broke about the fall and, and his subsequent injury, A, how serious did you and other media people that were assembled on the grounds think that it was? And then B, how surprising and shocking was it to see him go and try and warm up on Thursday and ultimately pull out at basically one minute before his tea time? Uh, well, it- tackle this in pieces I, I, I don't it wasn't overly concerning on Wednesday night keep in mind he was going to accept the golf rider uh, award for being the player of the year and so because this happened which is, late which is in and of itself a curse it seems because the, last year Jordan Spieth broke his driver head before going to the GWAA banquet so con, condolences to whoever wins player of the year this year because your day before the Masters is not going to go as planned but continue exactly so I think that his management team David Winkle he knew that he couldn't go to the dinner, but that was going to add, you know, if you, if you stand up a room full of reporters, people are going to start asking questions. So I, you felt like they were just trying to kind of get in front of it. It wasn't until he really showed up and started hitting golf balls on the range. And you could tell every swing just didn't look right. He, he wasn't hitting it like he normally does. He, he has that pounding ball flight, and it just wasn't there. And his caddy, A.J., was bending over, teeing up balls for him. He hit, you know, a couple wedge shots and went right back to the therapy hut all of these things started to combine, and you started to realize very, very quickly that it was much more serious than I think anyone probably thought, and it was surreal. The fact that he actually made his way all the way over to the first tee and decided so close to that opening tee time not to do it, it's an indication of how much it meant to him. It's an indication of how much he felt like he could play through this, and then he realized under those conditions he just wasn't going to do it. And it's also an indication of we really don't think about this when it comes to Dustin. It seems like everything that, that goes on around him, he is immune to. Like, you never really thought that he's really putting a lot of stock in the idea that coming off three straight wins, he's the guy to beat this week. I think he really embraced that. I think he was looking forward to starting this week as the world number one, as the guy to beat. And even with an injury, he was going to try to go out and do it up until that last minute. I'll say this. 
the last hour of the telecast on Sunday and that first hour waiting to see what Dustin was going to do. Those were the two most exciting hours of the entire week. It's always uh, never lacking for, for storylines at Augusta National. Some nice bookends there, even though Thursday was certainly a bit stranger than, than we would have expected. Sp spinning it forward, looking ahead, certainly you would think Aaron Hills as the, as the defending U.S. Open champ that Dustin Johnson is going to be a player to watch, if not the player to watch. You're going to be up at the Wells Fargo Championship next month. You and I will both be at the players as DJ starts to get back into competitive form. Are you looking for anything from him? Does he need to, to prove that he's back to 100%? Or is this just a situation of we're going to take three weeks, let it heal, and then you feel like he's going to be able to pick up right where he left off? I feel like he can pick up where he left off, and only because, you know, reports now are that, look, it's a good thing he wasn't scheduled to play the next three weeks. This is a perfect window to sort of let this go down. And the fact is, it, you know, there's no structural damage. It was just a, a deep bone bruise. So, no, I don't think there's any concerns. That being said, I'm going to be very curious to watch him on the range warm up on, on Thursday at Wells Fargo because, I mean, again, we're just dealing with another former world number one with back issues. And anytime this comes up, I think everybody's on edge a little bit. You want to see, well, is he going to be okay? Because he has been so dominant this year. And you want to see him go out and play well. And look, I, I'm not going to expect him to win Wells Fargo, although he very well might. I think anything, just playing for a round, giving himself an opportunity to work himself back. And I'm sure even in his own mind, he's going to be a little concerned. He's never really had to deal with a serious injury like this. So my guess is he kind of eases his way back into it. Well, as we said, the, the focus is now going to shift to the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills. Bit of an unknown, kind of like what we went through in 2015 with Chambers Bay. I think we're going to start seeing guys taking those scouting trips up to Wisconsin, get a look at the, at the course. Most of these pros, the big names, haven't really seen it. How big of a, a storyline do you think that the course itself is going to play as we start to build up towards the season's second major? Oh, I think it's going to be a huge storyline because no one's seen it. I mean, I have players asking me about it, and I, I've never played it either. I mean, I, I kind of have I've just got shouting reports. Just, just tell them what you, what you think it maybe is. It'll be fine. They'll know no difference. Well, the scouting report, it's a, it's a very long, very difficult golf course, which, you know, I don't think that should be any surprise hosting the U.S. Open. So I don't know if I, I had any insight into it at all. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that you've never played on this golf course before or they have never played a championship of any sort on this golf course that the players would be aware of, I think that's going to be the great unknown. But, again, it's the U.S. Open. We have a general idea what to expect. I do think you'll have some guys who will try to sneak up early and get a look at it just because it is the U.S. Open and there are so many unknowns. We've talked about a lot of high points uh, during this past week at Augusta National for you covering the Masters. I need to hit on a low. What were the feelings, what were the emotions when you didn't win the Masters media lottery to play Augusta National on Monday? Uh, you know what? Uh, it, it's too soon. I, I think I need to give it a little bit more time and, and you know, kind of work it you out. I mean, play, the players get five minutes after a bad round to get their head together. You've had a full day. We need something. I got 800 I, I, words to write. Yeah, that, that, that's beautiful. I love that. Uh, right now, a Green Jack would be stepping in and letting me walk away if, if this was an actual interview. But I, I think the, the part that, you know, kind of gets you excited is going into that week. It's such a special week. But, yeah, if you're back in the lottery, it's very, very exciting. And, Probably the hardest part for me was, and you can relate to this because you're friends with him as well, but Steve DiMeglio from USA Today did get picked. Oh, and, I didn't uh, know that. Oh, no, we're never yeah. going to hear the end of this. No, no. So I, I was happy for him because I'm happy when I want any of my friends have an opportunity to do that. I didn't want to talk to him about it, right. and he proceeded to come up and ask me. He didn't have his golf clubs. He needed to borrow my golf clubs. And how many golf balls do you have? So it was like a double. You know, I took one in the, in the face and then one in the stomach. Oh, it, it was no. a hard 
he, yeah. he, he has it, to take your hard. wife on a date. I'm still dealing with it. Wow, boy, that, that took a turn. That is, that is a lot more heartbreak than I expected to hear from you. And, and as we said, I'm sure Demeglio will be awfully quiet about his 18 holes at Augusta National. Well, Rex Hoggard. You think Justin Rose had a hard Sunday. Yeah. Imagine me. At least he got to play the golf course. There you go. Rex Hoggard, senior writer for GolfChannel.com, on site this week at the RBC Heritage because the show never stops around here. Thank you, Rex, for joining us. Look forward to teeing up with you soon. You bet, Willie. See you, pal. All right, this has been Will Gray with this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Treat Dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love, up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's Day with gifts up to 60% off. Are you struggling to lower your bad LDL cholesterol, even though you may be taking a statin, swapping steaks for salads, and exercising while listening to this podcast? Ask your doctor if Repatha Evolocumab is right for you. With Repatha, you can dramatically reduce bad cholesterol and the risk of another heart attack while enjoying life, too, because you're human. And with convenient self-administration, you can take Repatha in the comfort of your own home. Do not take Repatha if you're allergic to it. Repatha can cause serious allergic reactions. Signs include trouble breathing or swallowing, or swelling of the face. Most common side effects include runny nose, sore throat, common cold symptoms, flu or flu-like symptoms, back pain, high blood sugar and redness, pain, or bruising at the injection site. Visit Repatha.com or call 1-844-REPATHA. Talk to your doctor today about Repatha.